Um, we got, uh, speaking of camp, uh, Penny uh, and David, uh, poor David, uh, are at camp with our kids right now. <laughs> and uh, if, you, if you can imagine, uh, you know, taking a bunch of kids to camp and Penny, uh, <laughs> that's, that, that, that's, that's happening right now <laughs> since your kid. Uh, and so uh, uh, I just bring that up to, to, to be praying for them. Uh, you know, maybe we can pray for them at the end of the service today, but uh, be praying for them, be, be thinking about them. Uh, when they, do you know, guys know when they come back? Today? Oh, they're here back today, okay. Thought I'd have more time without some of my kids, uh, but uh, no, uh, but uh, no, was, that's good, and uh, we're excited about that. Um, um, speaking of my kids, uh, we went on vacation, obviously for a couple weeks, and uh, thank you to Nathan, thank you uh, to Ben, and uh, apparently one of them, at least one of them, has like a fairly incredibly large, abnormally large ears, maybe or something. Uh, but uh, I can't get this thing to fit my head again. Uh, and it'll, I'll, I'll work like the next six months to get it right, and then it'll be right until I go on vacation next year again. But uh, uh, no, we had, we had a great time. Uh, we only had two kids get sick. We only had to go to the doctor three times while we were there. Um, and, then in, and then in leaving, uh, speaking of this thing on my ear, uh, I got one of my classic ear infections that I get where like my whole, I can't hear out of this ear. And like right now, so if you see me like messing with it, it could be the mic or my ear because I can't hear. And if it feels like I'm yelling at you, I might be, but I'm not meaning to be. So um, I, I, I'm constantly like questioning, am I yelling at people right now? I can't really tell. Uh, but uh, we'll see how that works with, uh, with preaching too. So uh, I'm going to ask uh, Leanne if she would to come and join me. Uh, where, are you? where are you? Oh, there you are. Um, and so um, our, uh, our resident missionary, uh, Leanne Yule, uh, just, just came back from her vacation. Uh, <laughs> not quite. And uh, uh, she has been in Haiti uh, and if you have not been paying attention to what's going on there, um, quite a bit's going on there, and she's kind of she's kind of been in the middle of that. Not necessarily, you weren't like protesting yourself or something, but you know, uh, yeah. But uh, no, I, I thought I thought that it would be great. Uh, we only have her for the first service today. She won't stay for the second one because they want to go see important people or something, family members or something. But no, uh, we're grateful, uh, grateful that you're back, grateful that you're okay. But uh, can you just share with us a little bit about what's what's going on there? But then what you've been doing? Yeah. So the reason why I'm back so early is due to the protests and the riots and the looting and everything that's going on in Haiti. Um, uh, the ministry that I was working with, the Baptist Haiti Mission and Mission of Hope, um, decided to send all their uncritical North American staff back to the States, which is a couple hundred North Americans. Um, there was only about um, like 15-ish on the campus that I was at, but the main campus in um, a place called Titayan, they had like a couple hundred. So that just makes us a big target um, if there was any threat towards North Americans. And so... Um, uh, the, they decided to send us back, um, yeah, for the sake of the ministry um, and protecting it and because insurance wouldn't cover us if we were to get injured and just there's several other reasons, but our Haitian staff, which consists of several hundred people also are very capable of, run, of running the ministries that are most necessary. Um, and so on Wednesday night, they told me I'd be back and 48 hours later, I came on a flight Friday morning Nashville and made it back safely. 
Um, but the reason I was there is to work with the child sponsorship program. And then I also ended up having to take over hospitality because the hospitality director um, was on furlough for a month or so. So, yeah. It's I'm guessing been, taking over hospitality is not just like ordering pizzas for everybody. Or right. Something. It's getting, there's um, like apartments that we have guests come in and try to catch the vision of the um, ministry that's going on. And so we also had to cancel several trips due to the riots. So, but it's getting apartments ready, fixing dinners for um, all the missionaries that we eat together Monday and Wednesday, Friday night. And I got to build a, a great relationship with a woman named Nadine. She's Haitian. Um, and I'm very blessed to have had her in my life because we spent a lot of time together. And um, that was one of the, probably the biggest, um, the best things that happened while I was there, just ministering to her and just being a helping hand to her. Yeah. So. And they're going to send you somewhere else now, right? Yes. Is so, it, Is it okay to talk about that? Oh, for sure. I'll, okay. Mm-hmm. So as of last night, I got a message from the COO of Mission of Hope. Um, and he wants me to come to Austin, Texas to work in their U.S. office with child sponsorship and fundraising and um, all that good stuff. So I just bought a flight this morning to leave tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. So... See ya. Nice <laughs> um, knowing you. But no, I'll be back August 16th. So, yeah, it's been a wild ride, you guys. But thank you so much for your prayers. I've just kept me the whole way through. The Lord has been so faithful. Um, if you want to know more things that are going on, I have a blog and I post on Facebook. I don't use Instagram or Twitter. Sorry, I'm old. But <laughs> those are where you can contact me best at. Um, yeah, so... We knew you'd be okay. We've been praying more yeah. for your mom. Uh, she's been crying herself asleep at night. Oh, you, know, you so bet. I know it. So, uh, <laughs> no. But the indigenous people of Austin, Texas, will benefit from <laughs> coming there. So they, they, there's some, I've been there. There's some interesting folks in Austin, Texas. I'm excited. Uh, I'm uh, excited. Uh, but, uh, no, seriously, we're, we're glad you're okay, and yeah. uh, we're proud of you. Thank and you uh, we're here for you however you need us, okay? All right. Thank you so much. Awesome. Love you. Love you, too. All right. Well, that's a good way to put it down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's probably new or something. We'll add it to the list of things we need to buy with the air conditioning unit. Uh, so, yeah, we, 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 actually, we actually are putting in a new air unit, uh, I think, this week, or at least it's being ordered and all that. So uh, the reason that it's a little stuffy is because it can't keep up because you guys are just that hot. Uh, and so, um, uh, but, uh, yeah, so they're working on that. It's doing the best they can, and uh, they had it set to, like, 64 this morning. I came in, it was 68. It'll probably be 73 by the time we're done or more, so, but uh, we're, uh, we're trying, trying our best with that thing, so uh, good, good, good $20,000 there, uh, so, you know, let the Lord lead you in your giving. <laughs> Especially if you want to be cool, not you. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> no blankets needed today, right? Well, uh, hey, let's, uh, let's jump to uh, some scripture today. Let's go back to the book of Mark, if you guys will. If you've got a Bible, get it out uh, and go to chapter 6 with me. If you don't have a Bible, uh, let our ushers get you one. Uh, just throw your hand up and uh, let them know that you need one. If you don't own one, you can keep it. If you need to borrow it, that's fine. Just borrow it. 
and uh, follow along with us. We're going to Mark chapter 6 today uh, and going to, uh, even if you didn't grow up in church, even if you weren't around church a lot, you've heard parts of this uh, this story, you've heard parts of this passage at some point in time, I'm sure, and uh, uh, it's just one of those passages that sticks out because of, uh, it's a miracle, it's, it's an amazing thing that happens. Uh, and so, uh, uh, as we've been going through the book of Mark, um, you know, as uh, interestingly it is, uh, the way Mark writes, uh, with not quite as much detail as the other gospels sometimes, um, I think that it's always key to kind of hone in on the stuff that he does give us, uh, and he does give us, you know, some detail that, uh, you know, I think sometimes uh, to have less detail makes us even, you know, makes us even look more at what we've got in front of us, and uh, I think that's no different with this passage today. Um, and uh, Mark chapter 6, uh, and in verse 30, uh, we'll just go ahead and start it here, it says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him that they had done uh, all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So here we've got, uh, we've got a, an instance of, of Jesus actually leading the disciples to take a break. I think this is a I think this is interesting for us, and I think it's important for us. I think it's important that Jesus sees the importance of that, um, although it doesn't play out quite like they hoped, uh, maybe. Uh, it, uh, it, the intent is there. We're seeing something. We're seeing even this desolate place you know, type language is almost kind of like this you know, uh, uh, kind of Moses-esque, if you will, uh, and, and, and we're reminded that, you know, with Christ and his coming and what he's doing and ushering in the new kingdom and, of course, being the son of God and uh, the sacrificial lamb and, uh, you know, all of that stuff, uh, you know, is, is this reminder that Jesus really is like Moses, but he's the better Moses. He's the Moses that has actually come uh, to save us, not just deliver us to a land, but deliver us back to God himself uh, to give us forgiveness of our sin and uh, I think I think that that's I think there's some intent there. I think even in in the writing and uh, even even in, in in Christ's you know wording of, of him talking about hey guys let's you know let's go over here let's take a break and let's go over here uh, and kind of get away from the people uh, you know they've they've been working they've been they've been out traveling around they've been preaching teaching uh, you know doing all this stuff and and obviously they've come back and and they've they've been telling him you know all that they've done and taught it says and then he says come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. So that's what they're going to do. That's the, that's the plan, uh, is alone time for Jesus and the boys. Um, JC and the boys sounds better. But uh, verse 33, it says this. It says, Now many saw them and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So the people... You know, that they had been, you know, these you know, crowds of people, you know, staying, staying around Jesus, staying close by, waiting to see what's going to happen, waiting to see uh, what's next. They're, they're, they're hungry. They're hungry for something. They don't, they don't even know what they're hungry for, but they're hungry. And, and, and you know, so they're, they're, they're kind of seeing what's going on. Jesus and, and the boys, they get in the boat, and, and they're going to they're gonna slide on down, you know, the, the way here. Uh, and get away from the crowd to be alone. Verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. So they're getting away to be alone 
but the people see the direction in which they're going, so they just take off after them, you know, like hoping to, you know, to stay with them. I mean, this is like very paparazzi-ish, and, uh, you know, the, the, whole, the whole, you know, scene here is that all of these people are trying to get a piece of Jesus. And it says, when they get there, it says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, when you're in that mode of, like, I want to go get away, and I want to, you know, uh, go be alone, you need the alone time, or whatever it is, you know, and that kind of thing is happening, generally what you're not wanting is crowds of people to follow you, uh, you know, and, and, and need you, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and we see this interesting interaction with Jesus and, and the crowd here, as he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. And it says, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Now, I'm pretty sure I, I could just give a guess that at least one of the disciples, at least one of those guys, had to just be uh, a little teed off, you know, at the whole thing. Just like, I thought... You know, we've been, we've been killing it here for a while. I thought that we were going get to a, get a break in. I thought we were going to go, you know, grill some steaks or something. And, and instead, we've got this. We've got this scenario of all of the people have followed us. And now, and, and, you know, you know Jesus. Jesus can't, you know, Jesus can't not just love everybody. You know, Jesus can't not care for everybody. The interesting thing about this word compassion that is used in the Greek um, and uh, forgive me because it's been probably 20 years since I took Greek, uh, but the uh, word looks like vice, visera or viscera, uh, V-I-C-E-R-A, uh, is the root word in which this word compassion comes from, and this compassion that's being talked about is only used for Jesus in the New Testament. It's only used for Jesus in the New Testament, and it is only used nine times. I think that's interesting. And, and really, the, for us, the importance of, you know, you be all like, oh, it's, you know, great, you know, Bible knowledge, whatever. I, I think the reason that that's good for us this morning to hear that and understand what's going on with this is that this is a compassion that is, that is something far greater than like the human compassion that we can conjure up as human beings, as, as just people in the world kind of thing. Uh, you know, we can imagine compassion. Uh, the compassion that Christ has here is something far greater for these people. And in that moment, that's the compassion that he has for these people. It's not even, I mean, like me and you, let's just be honest. Like, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, like, you know, if, if the entire church followed me to vacation a couple weeks ago, and we got down there, and, and then, like, people were, like, at our, you know, door, like, knocking every day, and like, hey, uh, I need to talk to you about some stuff. I'd be like, well, okay, I guess let's go down to the pool. And we'll talk about some stuff, you know. I mean, I might, I might, I'm not going to say that I would. I might, you know, like handle it well or whatever. But in the back of my head, I'm going, you know, what about my family? I'm here to see my, be with my family or whatever, you know. And so I'm thinking that like that's, that's kind of how we generally, you know, handle things. And oftentimes we might still show some compassion. Jesus isn't just showing some compassion. He's showing a compassion that we don't even understand. 
Like his love for these people. And, and it goes on, and it, I think it even helps us to understand why he has the compassion. And Mark's put it in here. And we know Mark, he's a man of few words. And you know how people with you know, a few words are. It's like when they talk, you listen. you know. And, and, and here's Mark, and he says, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Well, the entire Old Testament has been pointing toward the coming of a good shepherd. A good shepherd. Jesus was a good shepherd. He was so good that when he saw people without a shepherd, his heart broke for them. His heart broke for them. In fact, the other, in the other situations where you see this Greek word used for compassion through the New Testament, you actually see it used uh, for things like where Jesus' heart is broken uh, for people in their suffering, and you see it where Jesus' heart is broken uh, for people that are uh, like being slaves to sin. Like he's broken over their sin for them, that they're, that they're you know, caught in that and can't seem to get out of it. You know, and so that's... that's that's a merciful God. That's a gracious God. Je- Jesus is that for us. And I, and I think it's good for us to be reminded of that. I think, you know, we know that. But, but, I, but I, think, I think it's good for us to be reminded that He wants to be our good shepherd. He sees us and He knows we need to be led. Now, we know we need to be led, but we're knuckleheads. And we're great at like wanting to lead ourselves and we got it all figured out and we don't need anybody and we don't even mean to be that way sometimes. We just end up there. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And what happens? What happens? Does he throw, throw out a, a quick miracle and, and make them all happy and send them on their way? No. And he began to teach them many things. He continues to invest time in their lives. Folks, this is ministry right there. That's ministry. That's the picture of ministry. It's not having, it's not having a church that has great services on Sunday mornings. It's, it's a group of people, not even just pastors, okay? But a group of people that call themselves and identify themselves as being the church that love people that even in the moments when it is not convenient, but God puts people in front of us, that we would see them as people who are without a shepherd. That's, that's huge for us today. That's huge for us today. That we would have compassion on those people. And the truth is, I mean, let's just be truthful, we're sinners. We struggle with that. We struggle with that. I struggle with that. We struggle with having compassion in moments of life when we've already got things planned and something else pops up. Oh gosh, here we go again, you know? And it's and you know, sometimes it's the same people. And sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, you know, how much, you know, do we give and give and give? You know, and and, and we can ask that question and then we can ask it of Jesus and how much did he give? Everything. It was his life. He set an example for us. That this is who we are. This is what we do. He felt sorry for them. One of the things that I saw like over and over, every commentator, oddly enough, that I, I read out of probably three or four, 
uh, on this passage of Scripture. It is like every single one of them, without meaning to, I don't, you know, I don't think they were copying each other or anything, but they all said this one line. It was so funny because I'd written it down uh, in like the first time that I'd studied through one of them. And it was this statement, and they all said it, and it was, he felt sorry for them. He felt sorry for them. He was invested in them and didn't, had never met them before. He felt sorry for them. He saw them without a leader. He saw them hopeless. Sheep without a shepherd. Gathering for something that they didn't even know what. I mean, think about it. I mean, if Jesus showed up now in 2018... We've had 2,000 years to learn about Jesus. If, Jesus. if Jesus wants to show up now, I mean, he's, he's selling out Bridgestone every night, as many nights as he wants to, you know, do a show. You know, everybody's coming to see Jesus. And they know why, uh, at least part of us, would know why we would want to see Jesus, why we would want to buy a ticket uh, for such an event as that. These people, they're showing up, and they're hungry, and they don't even know what for. They just know that they just need to be near this guy. They need to get to this guy. I mean, yeah, you could you know, claim some of it is like, you know, well, he's done some miracles, and you know, they're maybe hoping for a miracle in their life, or they just want to see him do something cool or whatever, but there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. They, they, uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be chasing him down the river, trying to keep up and catch up with him to see what's next. They were hungry and didn't even know why. And I think, I think an appropriate question for us to ask this morning is do we, do we feel sorry for people? Do we feel sorry for people? And, and, and I'll take that a step further. Do we, are we willing? Do we feel sorry for people that are not like us? that don't believe like we do, that don't think like we do, their political views are different, or their skin color is different, or whatever it is. Are, are, we, are, we willing to, are we willing to see people for oftentimes what they are is sometimes as sheep without a shepherd? Because that drove this compassion that Jesus had, and it truthfully should drive the compassion that we have for other people. Not, hey, I'll be friends with you because you think just like me. That's a joke. If we do that, we've bought into the click thing. We don't want to do that. I, I pray, I pray, I know a lot of people don't like to hear stuff like this. I pray that God will bring different types of people to this area. That we, the church, will minister to them. Because there are people out there not like us who are sheep without a shepherd. And they need Jesus. And that's the bottom line. It doesn't matter what they look like or what they think like or you know, any of those things. The bottom line is that we are all children of God. And God has given us this opportunity to be a part of the process. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Mark, Mark actually gives us, and you guys got to talk about some of this with Herod and whatnot, uh, gives us kind of two stories of leadership here. Because the truth is, these people had a leader. His name was Herod. Well, you guys talked about Herod here in the last couple weeks. And Herod, you know, Herod's just a fantastic guy, isn't he? Herod, 
you know, typical, you know, king, and I got to believe he's got the jester, okay? I just got to always go there. And it, but, you know, Herod, you know, surrounding himself by status, money, things of the world, getting what he wanted, high-end foods, you know, I got to believe he's eating what he wants to eat, entertainment, dancing, and then killing a man of God in the last passage, if you remember what was just taught. John the Baptist. Then you've got Jesus as a leader, following that up with Herod's people, okay? These are people, sheep without a shepherd. Well, they have a shepherd, but they don't want to follow him. And to them, I'm sure they're like, man, that guy's like on another, might as well be on another planet from who we are. We're struggling with things that he doesn't have a clue about. And you've got Jesus, and Jesus is humble, caring, compassionate, meeting needs of people. He's given them something to eat. They're hungry, and he's given them something to eat. He's loving those who were like sheep without a shepherd. Well, now we get to the part of the passage where everybody knows this part of the passage. This is, this is the key part that so many folks know. You've heard about it in days past, whatever. Verse 35. It says, And when it grew late, his disciples came up to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. What they're saying is, you know, we're kind of we're out in the boonies, Jesus. Remember, we came here for a retreat. Remember that? And then you're, you've been teaching these people now all day, and now it's getting late. The hour's getting late, it says. Verse 36, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy, them, buy themselves something to eat. Now, this is either the disciples like ready to like get the break that they came for, or, and I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt here, or they're showing compassionate to the people, and they realize the people have been there, it's getting late, and they need to eat. And it says in verse 37, but he answered them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Which was quite a bit of money at that time. Their, their, answer, their answer is like so typical, like us type answer, you know, like, how are we going to fix this situation? Jesus is, you know, Jesus is kind of looking at the situation. He's like, you know, and, and, and whether it's, obviously it was all part of the will of God and part of the plan, but we don't know if Jesus' thought process is like, well, I mean, you know, at this point, if they had to leave here, they're going to have to go a long way to get something to eat. But either way, Jesus is like, no, you give them something to eat. Fix it. He's like, fix it. <laughs> and these guys are like, what? What? What are we supposed to do? You, you, want us to, you want us to run the town and buy all this bread or something and come back and have a big bread feast? You want us to do that? Is that what you want us to do? And he says to them in verse 38, he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. So five loaves of bread and two fish. And this considered probably to have been smaller fish, okay? Not, you know, some of the big gigantic bass fish that some of you guys hold really close to the camera when you take the selfie, you know? Some of you guys are really good at that, you know? So, but no, not saying any names. Josh McGee. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Uh, <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, so five and two fish. And so verse 39 says, then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. Now this, I mean, this is interesting. I think this is interesting. And uh, again, Mark's not great on detail, but here we're talking about green grass. Why in, the world, why in the world is Mark talking about that? Well, I can tell you why he's talking about that. That tells us what time of the year it was. Uh, because if you, and I don't know other than just reading about it, but if you know anything about the area of the Sea of Galilee at that point in time, if there's green grass, well, that means it's spring because it, not too long after spring, the sun comes and scorches the grass and it's pretty much dead the rest of the year. And so green grass is really only in that time of year, which also ties it to the time of Passover. Passover. Verse 40, it goes on, so they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. There's a lot of people here, okay? There's a lot of people. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. And it is specific to only counting the men. We don't actually know how many people that there... I've heard, I remember years ago teaching on this and reading that it was believed there's at least seven to 10,000 people all together. I've read stuff this week that they think could be fifteen to 20,000 people all together. Folks, this is a crowd of people, okay? It's a crowd of people. Five loaves, two fish, fed the crowd. How? You believe it? You believe it? Do you really believe it? I mean, it's, it's easy to say you believe stuff like this, but do you really believe it? And see, people ask me stuff. I've got friends of mine, especially that are not believers, you know, they, we get into little conversations here and there from time to time. They'll ask me, this would be a question I could see getting asked of, you know, do you really do you really believe you really believe that he fed five thousand? And I'd be like, no, 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 it's probably like ten to twenty thousand, you know. Uh, and they'd be like, do you really think that he did that? You know, we're talking about the Son of God who orders creation, like like literally orders it, like not not just like he tells it what to do, but he puts it in its place, you know. Like, we might order the pantry. <laughs> he orders creation like that, but he also makes it. You know, it's like, he, 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 he's, he's king of all. You know, it's, it's crazy how good Jesus is. And so for me personally, I believe it. I do believe it. I think wholeheartedly we're meant to believe that Jesus did this. I believe he did it. And you go, well, I don't, you know, it seems just such a crazy thing to do. Uh, what's crazier, that or bringing people back from the dead? What's crazier, that or healing people on the spot that have been sick all their lives with crazy diseases? 
for not just like a couple of people to see. We're talking about the accounts of, of hundreds and thousands of people that have seen the work of Christ happen. That's why 2,000 laters, 2000 years later, that we're, they're still differentiated here with this book and what's going on in the life of this person is because it happened. And I, and I think somewhere, sometimes, we kind of we turn aspects of Scripture into like fairy tale. And we're like, well, you know, it's just a cool story, you know? Cool, you know. Aniston got to see the Little Mermaid. Ariel. By the way, I don't think she's a princess. She's a mermaid. But my wife and I disagree on that. And they say, well, she becomes a princess. Well, and then I see her at the park. She's still got a tail. Where's her legs? I thought she, I thought she grew legs. What happened to that? I don't know. Very confusing for small children, I think. <laughs> you know, we, we have those things in the world. You know, we've got those aerial little mermaid things, you know, but folks, that, that's not this. It's happened. <laughs> and, and, then, and then here's what we do with life. <laughs> Let's put it in perspective. Let's just be honest. Here's what we do with life. We worry. <laughs> we worry, don't we? We worry with life. And, 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 and we worry, you know, are we going to have enough to, you know, make it to the end of the paycheck? And, you know, are we going to have enough to eat, you know, food? Are we going to be able to get food that we need? Are we going hungry? We're not going hungry. He's still in control of all the things. He's still Lord of all. And I think, I think it should challenge us who struggle with anxiety and worry and, and, and those things to, to be comforted and be reminded of who Christ is and that He's calling us to rest in Him in that. And He's saying, come to me, come on, come to me. Let me take your burdens. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come on to me and let me take it. You just, you just rest in me. I've got this. You don't need to have this. You do what, you'd be faithful with doing what I've called you to do and let me do what I do. And I think for some of us, I think, I think sometimes we have to take stock even into things, like small things like who we're letting speak into our lives. Who, who speaks into your life? I mean, don't tell me right now. You can tell me later. We'll go to the pool. We'll need your pool, though, because I don't have one. Uh, but, you know, who's speaking into your life? Like, who are you allowing to be the people that help formulate the opinions and help you deal in the moments of stress when you might be worried? Is it more worried people? Or is it people that are pushing you to Jesus and saying, hey, I'm, I'm here for you, but also better than that, Christ is here for you. He's got this. He's got this. There, there's, listen, there's all kinds of stuff in life that we won't have the answers for. That God will call us as his people at times, to follow him through things that just seem insane. 13 years ago, starting a church in Pleasant View was insane. 
People thought we were crazy. We'd go to the coffee shop and sit there and listen to people talk about how we were crazy. And we were like, okay. And, and thank God, you know, in those moments, we were, we were trying our best to follow the Lord and listening to Him. And we just knew in our hearts that God was leading us to do this. And as a whole bunch of people, many of you are here that were part of that and have been part of it and have been a part of stepping out on faith for years and years and years. God is still leading our church in that way. He's, he's putting things in front of us right now that as a church, we will either follow or we won't follow. And I believe that we will. And I believe there'll be moments where we go, we don't know how that's going to work out. And that's faith. If we could do it all on our own, we wouldn't need him. There's just aspects of all of it that God will lead us through if we'll let him. Passover time, green grass, throw this at you, bread of life. Bread, passing out the bread. The feeding of the 5,000, or 20, or 15, or 7, or whatever it is, the feeding of all these people, Jesus brings, well, somebody brings, and then Jesus takes it and blesses it. He literally blesses it. Five loaves of bread, two fish. Manna, and the bread of life. If we don't see the parallels to this, I think we miss out on some important pieces of what, what God is having for us to see. That Jesus was setting this up. He says to His disciples, you give them something to eat. They're hungry. What's He say to them? You give them something to eat. They're like, Jesus, you want us to go to the bread store? Is bread and company open? Is bunny bread going to deliver out here? To this desolate place? I don't think their trucks are going to fit, Jesus. What are we going to do? And Jesus, I mean, they're bringing money into it. This sounds, this sounds like us. They're bringing money into the equation. Oh, what, what are we going to do about the money? I, Jesus is like, you feed them. You give them something to eat right now. What are we going to do? Well, what do we have? Let's take inventory of what we got and let's go from there. And Jesus takes it. And as Jesus can, he takes what they give him and he blesses it and he multiplies it and he didn't need any money and he did what he wanted to do. I was telling somebody this week, it's, it's kind of funny. It's not funny, but it's funny, I guess, because I'm, I'm talking about this the way I'm thinking about it. The, uh, the heat and air unit that's out here, uh, what's that thing, like 20 years old or something? Well, the reason, you know, church isn't 20 years old. And, and somebody was like, why is it 20 years old? I was like, well, because we got it used. <laughs> and, and the truth is, is that when we were doing build out and all this stuff, I mean, we, we were scraping, you know, pennies and trying to figure out, you know, and we, there's still a lot of things that we've never finished or done because of money or whatever, you know, and that's okay. I mean, it's a place for us to worship Jesus and that's it. You know, we don't, you know, we want it to be, nice for people to come into, but at the end of the day, that's not the important thing. No, no gold thrones or any of that kind of junk. Um, and, uh, but the truth is, is that the unit was given to us. It was slightly used on a, on a roof of a bank somewhere in Clarksville, I think. And, uh, you know, um, uh, the bank closed within like a year, so the unit wasn't really that old. And then it sat at an, in a construction yard for a long time. 
And the owner of that construction company felt led to give us that unit. I couldn't even tell you that guy's name. Jesus doesn't need our money. He'll do what He wants to do, how He wants to do it, so that in the end, He gets the glory for it. You see that? And, and the truth is, is that's not just in material things. That is in us, in our lives, and in the moments where God is putting people in front of us that we might be compassionate for them versus going, I did not have this in the planner for today. For us to be willing to say, you know what? Scratch the next thing. Here's what the Lord's brought me right now. Let's be faithful with that. Jesus didn't worry about having enough food. And, and, and here's, here's the beauty of the whole thing is that, that Jesus really doesn't, just like he doesn't need money, he doesn't really need us. But he chooses for us to be a part of the equation. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, it says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Do you see that? God making his appeal through us. He wants us to be a part of the process of people seeing and knowing him. Now, we can't save people. Jesus is the one that's doing that. But we get to be part of the process. And you're like, Chris, I don't even know how to be a part of that process. It's real simple. Are you ready for it? Here it comes. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. What are we going to give them? What happened when Jesus comes back from the dead? And he's looking at Peter, and Peter's like, Jesus, I'm sorry. And he's like... Dude, it's all right. Do you love me? Peter's like, yeah. He's like, what's he say? He says, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Okay, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Three times. Remember, he also denied Christ three times. Yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Give them something to eat. The bread of life. The bread of life. Christ Himself. That's our calling in this life, is to bring glory to God by, by making Christ known in the lives of others. And, and I'll, folks, I'll just tell you, if you had not figured it out yet, the easiest, best way that we do that is showing compassion for people who God puts in our lives. And that's hard some days for us because some of us can be pretty jaded, you know? But the truth is, is that's the mission. And the truth is, is that's what He did for us. Because that passage goes further right there in 2 Corinthians uh, verse five, uh, chapter 5, it says in verse 21, it says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake. For our sake. Might as well say for heaven's sakes. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Every sin that you and I have ever had was put on Jesus 
on the cross that all we have to do is believe in Him and trust in Him. And I'm telling you, He loves us and He wants us to be children of God. More importantly, He wants to save us from that sin. All you have to do is believe. And maybe you're sitting here today. Maybe you're thinking about that. Maybe maybe you've been to church a whole lot. You're trying to kind of gauge where you are with this question of, you know, do I believe in Jesus? Is Jesus my Savior? And all this stuff. I'm just here to tell you, I can't do it for you. But if God is speaking to your heart, then that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is Him showing you your need for a Savior. Run to Him. Run. Run to Him, okay? Run to Him and let Him, the only one, the way, the truth, and the life, no one gets to the Father except through Him. Let Him, Jesus alone, be the one who is called to be our Savior. Let Him save you today. The blood on the cross that was shed was enough for all of that sin. And all you have to do is believe. All I had to do was believe. And it changed my life. Feeding of the 5,000 is in a way a big setup for us to see communion. The bread and the cup were given to show Christ's sacrifice for our sins. And in the death and resurrection of Christ, we have life. In the feeding of the crowd, we get to see His compassionate mercy for us. That He provides. That He provides. That we don't have to worry because He's the one providing. And in taking the bread that day, they were taking Christ. What seemed temporary was really eternal. They may have been hungry for bread, but what they were really hungry for was something much greater. There are many who are like sheep without a shepherd. Many of those people are in our lives. Will we have compassion on them? Will we be willing to walk through life with them? They're hungry. And the truth is, we have the bread to give them. So how about we give them something to eat? Let's pray. God, help us as your people to be compassionate toward others as you've been compassionate to us. Lead us in that. Help us to be faithful with it. Help us to follow you. With reckless abandon, God, I pray that we would follow you through that, through this life as you put people in front of us. Some of them may be friends, co-workers, people that annoy us, whatever it is, God, you've put them there that they may get just a little more of you through us. God, I pray that we would be faithful with that. Help us with that. Help us to see what that looks like. Lord, thank you. Thank you for taking the time that day when I know you were tired, your guys were tired, to set that example for us. God, help us to feed the hungry with the bread of life. God, for those that are struggling right now and questioning whether or not to trust in you, to believe in you, God, I pray, Lord, that they would just, Lord, take that step of faith, that today they would believe. 
God, I pray that they would even make it known to somebody else, Lord, what you're doing in their life. God, I pray you would continue to speak to them, help them to see they don't have to have it all figured out. God, we need you for that. God, thank you. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your, thank you for your son. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for an empty tomb. We ask all this in your name. Amen.